0: How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 150 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's show, I'm answering your mailbag questions. That is it. That is the show. Mailbag. Alright, uh, I'm going to get to those here in just one second because I don't have anything else to explain. It's mailbag questions, so uh, questions are abound. Uh, but before I get to those, please follow us on social media at LockedOnAids on Twitter and Instagram. I am at by Jason B on Twitter. And if you have any mailbag questions for us for future episodes, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Uh, I can catalog them a little bit easier that way, so that's why I, uh, I keep plugging that for the mailbag. Um, otherwise, I'm just scrolling through Twitter I'm like, oh, there's one. And there's one, so if I missed one, I apologize, but I I do think that we got some really good ones coming up on today's episode. Uh, Just one real quick note, though. I do want to note that the Astros won again yesterday, forcing a Game 6 on Friday at 3.07 Pacific time. The Dodgers also are on the verge of elimination after their 10-2 loss. Just the last two games have just been blowouts. Uh, This one came a little bit later, though, at the Braves' end. And uh, they're going to have game five for us on Friday at 6.08 Pacific time. So uh, there's a chance that we're going to know who the World Series contenders will be by the end of play today. So that's something to look forward to. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking about the World Series a decent amount next week because the World Series starts on Tuesday. So get excited, everybody. Actually, temper your excitement. We may get Astros and Braves or uh, Rays and Braves. I don't know how excited you're going to be about either of those ones. Personally, uh, definitely still going for the Rays, 100% for the Rays. Uh, and if the Braves are in it, cool. I want to see uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. do some cool things and see what he has. As for Marcelo Zuna, not as much. He's having a great season, but uh, he said some bad things about the Coliseum, and he never wanted to play for the A's and some of that stuff, and uh, I hold grudges. So uh, Marcelo Zuna, not excited to see you play, so... uh, Go whoever is playing the Braves, I guess. In that regard, um, no, they're they're still a fun te- and exciting team. So I, if they make the the World Series, I'll be very excited to watch them play. But uh, let's get into it. Let's let's do some mailbag questions real quick. The first question out of the gate is who will be the A's closer in twenty twenty one? Just starting with the fire questions, and uh, you know, uh, I I did some some looking, and the A's roster as constructed right now with all their free agents does not have like. The, the obvious answer. I mean, they're, they're obvious because of lack of options. But um, basically, as of right now, the A's bullpen consists of Jake Diekman and his improved slider, which I did enjoy. But is that something that, you know, he'll have for an entire season? I don't know. we got to find out. He does walk guys, too. So there's that. Uh, there's also J.B. Wendelkin, Lou Trevino, Jordan Weems is an option, uh, Birch Smith, if he's healthy. He's also in the bullpen, so uh, this is the pool that we're going to be working from at this point in time. So if you're paying attention, uh, that means that there's going to be some additions to this bullpen, I would imagine, because this one uh, doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. There are guys that can go out there and do a really good job, but it's not a deep bullpen, and there's no sure bets. Like, Liam Hendricks, pretty sure bet you're going to be getting some good innings out of him. He can go three innings if you need him to, Um, so there's that. Um... And basically, Liam Hendricks is the best reliever on the board, so I don't know that the A's are going to have enough to re-sign him. Um, you, you got teams like Boston, Philadelphia, Los Angeles. Uh, the Dodgers may need a uh, another reliever. So they there are teams with money and the means to sign him that are going to want his services because he's the best reliever out there. And uh, unless the A's offer him a qualifying offer at $18.9 million and he accepts it, I don't think he's coming back to Oakland. Um, And also, I I don't want them to take a a lesser deal to stay with the A's. Go get your money, Liam. You you definitely deserved it. So now you can go do what's best for you and your family. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to be mad at that whatsoever. So basically, I think that that means that the A's are going to have to find their diamonds in the rough like they usually do and uh, figure out who's going to be their... Their closer of the future from there. Um, I have a couple of guys that I'm going to, you know, uh, talk about uh, them acquiring via trade here in the next couple of weeks once the World Series is over. I'll probably dedicate an entire week to going over who they could add it to the bullpen because there's some names and I'm excited. Uh, and I, I'm going to remake what their bullpen looks like, I think, with uh, how they approach pitching and whatnot. Because we've seen a lot of uh, guys that are more location and uh, throwing... You know, soft, not softer, but softer by today's standards where they're like that 89-90 fastball on the corner. I'm like, no, you need some friggin high heat that, and a wipeout slider. That's all you need. You need two pitches and you're going to be successful. So I'm going to go after some of those guys on the trade market, I think. But getting back to the actual question at hand, though, uh, I think that the A's opening day closer is probably already on the roster. But I do think that the closer situation will remain fluid Uh, throughout the course of the 2021 season. I think they're going to have somebody for opening day, and then if they start blowing it or somebody else is showing them more stuff or, you know, they're limiting walks or something like that, they're going to give somebody else a shot. So uh, I think that the opening day closer basically comes down to, uh, as of right now, J.B. Wendelkin and uh, Jake Diekman. Those are the two guys. JB and Jake or JB and JD, however you want to phrase them. Uh, th- those are the two guys that I think that it comes down to. And uh, with Deekman being a left-handed reliever, you generally want the lefty to be able to face certain hitters in a lineup, and that may not always be in the ninth inning. So I think that you want to leave him to be able to roam around some of those later innings, like the seventh and eighth and the ninth. So he could be a closer on command, but not the traditional closer, if you will, Uh, they might adopt like the Rays formula where they had Nick Anderson, who's their best pitcher. He had six saves. They had some other guys with a few saves. They had a bunch of guys with a few saves. So I think that the A's may adopt something like that if they get enough, if they get a a stable, (laughs) if you will. Um, So that could be something else that they go with. But I think that it's probably going to be JB Wendelkin based on who they have on the roster right now. But I would like to note that I would not count out A.J. Puck as a potential closer later on in the season. Uh, If he's healthy and they move him to the bullpen, he's definitely going to be getting groomed for that spot, you would think. If they put him in the bullpen, he's either going to be a a longer guy who can go two, three innings, or the closer for like the eighth and the ninth. They can go two two or three innings. Um, He's got the stuff to do it if he can stay healthy and consistent. I think it's that it's his job to lose at that point. So, uh, And then they'd be getting the most out of him. They wouldn't be able to have him in the rotation, but they'd be able to have him as like a shutdown, ace reliever kind of guy. Like the Josh Hader thing is basically all I'm going after there. And I know what I just said about lefties, but I think that he's a different type of lefty. where He he can face lefties and righties. It doesn't matter. You're not going to be putting him in for matchups because if he was groomed as a starter, uh, you know he can face both righties and lefties. He can handle whatever situation you put him in if he's uh, going right. So... I think that uh, that's another guy to keep an eye out on as a Dark Horse candidate if uh, if they move him over to the bullpen there. But moving on to the next question, what are your thoughts on Chad Pender's 2021 status? Will he be seeing full-time duties? Um, I'm going to just go with what I went with earlier this week. And that is, uh, I think that the A's like him being a utility guy. Where if they put him at second base and just made him the second baseman, then if somebody gets hurt, then... What do they do then? I think that they like having him fill in, you know, every now and then at third base, every now and then at shortstop, every now and then at second base, every now and then in left field. I think that they like getting him at bat, you know, four times a week like that. And then if somebody goes down, uh, like uh, Chapman did at third base, or if Simi needs to miss a few days or something like that, then they can put him in there and not really lose anything. But if you have him as your main guy, then you're relying on Vimeo Machin or Sheldon Noisy or something like that. Basically just less proven talent at the major league level. And I think that that's why they like having him as the the rover kind of guy. And uh, I, I think that that's kind of the, the role he's going to have as long as he's with the A's. But that all said, I will throw this this little uh this little treat for you and that is if they can find somebody to platoon with Chad Pender at second base, I think that that is an option that they could explore to really get the most out of second base uh moving forward if they can get somebody who can just rake against righties and that's all they do and you got Chad Pender against lefties and there you go that that's uh that's your second base platoon. I think that they'd be okay with doing that and that would also get into the lineup just a little bit more than you know he usually would, I think. Uh, granted, he'd be facing lefties, but you know that you see lefties a couple times a week, and then you can have them ro- roam around uh, otherwise as well. So that's all that. Uh, moving on, do you think Frankie Montes can make the leap to an ace-type pitcher? He definitely has the stuff to do it, so I don't know what's stopping him. And uh, I'm going to answer the second part of this one first because it's what I've heard from the radio broadcast and all that stuff. And it, it basically sounds as though... He needs to make his splitter more enticing to the opposition. Because if they are not chasing that pitch, then basically they can just sit on his fastball and crush that. And uh, that makes him a fairly easy pitcher to face at that point. So he needs to work on a splitter, make it more consistent, make it so that batters are offering at it when it sinks out of the zone. And I think that that is the quickest way for him to become uh, a more consistent pitcher, at least. I think that if he really hones in that splitter, then he could really make that leap into the consistent ace that the A's have been hoping and looking for for, for years now. Uh, so I think that that's the key to unlocking all unlocking the hopes and dreams of many A's fans over the course of two decades. (laughs) Um, uh, I've also heard some speculation that he could be non-tendered, and I think that that would be just a terrible decision. Um, I think that it may have been Misguided, uh, or bad information, or something like that. But uh, Montas is in his first year of ar- arbitration, which is the least expensive year of arbitration, and he's shown a lot of progress over the last two seasons. And I think that it would be silly to try and cut bait without even trying to get a return or anything like that. So he's not getting non-tendered. I, if they do, I think that they've lost their way completely, and I don't know what they're doing. So, uh, I, I really hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, I'll sign him. He can pitch on my softball team. I don't care. And just one note on Frankie Montas before I uh, I get out of here for a second is I know that his 2020 season was very up and down, but between the shortened season, COVID, his injury and his wife giving birth, I mean, I can see why he wasn't necessarily consistent this season. So uh Maybe throw it out the window? I don't know. He he seemed to turn around a little bit, and it all seemed to stem from that injury. See how he comes into spring training. See how, you know, all that works. Spring training is so far away right now, but, you know, think of brighter days. I, I think that he's he's got the stuff, so we'll see how he does in 2021. And I'll take Montas, Luzardo, and Bassett in the starting rotation and heading into 2021, no question. Those are my three horses right there. So uh, coming up on today's show, though, I'm going to answer your questions about potential minor league call-ups and an ace that the ace could go after this winter. So stay locked in with Locked On A's. I will be right back. They improve Bilt Bar's even more deliciouser. They have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six new flavors, which include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They also got their original 12 flavors. You gotta go check all those out. I've read through most of these, and they're all delicious. There are protein bars that taste like candy bars. How else do you want to have protein with chocolate? That's what you get. And Bilt Bar has chocolate for you. All of these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. And you know, the kicker, other than being soft and easy to chew and tasty and all that stuff, is they're healthy for you. Bell Bar is great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treats. And if you want to take advantage of all these things that I'm talking about right here... All you have to do is go to beltbar.com and enter promo code LOCKED ON. That is one word, LOCKED ON. And you will get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED ON for 20% off at beltbar.com. Welcome back to the Locked on A's podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe wherever you like podcasts. Also, please follow us on social media at Locked on A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter. And if you want to participate in next time's mailbag, maybe it's a weekly thing. I'm not sure yet. Depends on how many questions I get. Uh, You can send all your questions to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. All right. Moving on. Next question comes from Rodney. Who is the number one pitcher the A's could sign? And uh, I think the only number one pitcher that's on the market, this whole free agency, is Trevor Bauer. That said, I don't think there's any way in the world that the A's can sign Trevor Bauer. Even in his cute little tweets where he's going, when he tweets at every team, he's like, hey, I heard that this area is nice. Should I play here? Uh, He has not mentioned the A's in any of those. He does not want to play for the A's. And honestly, I don't know that he'd be a great fit for the clubhouse either. He's a good pitcher sometimes. And he was great in 2020. But what kind of pitcher is he going to be moving forward? Uh, He has a career 390 ERA. He had a 448 ERA just last year. And uh, I mean, sure, this year was great for him. But was it because of the short season? Was there something he was doing to generate the extra spins that he loves on all of his pitches uh, that he maybe wasn't doing within the rules of baseball? Uh, question mark. I don't know. He does uh, a lot of the fooling around, the tomfoolery with, you know, uh, rosiner stuff like that. He makes solutions to, you know, get the extra grip and all that stuff. So uh, I got my eye on you, Trevor. Um, <laughs> you're going to get it. Uh, But not a contract from the A's. That's not what you're going to get. Anyways, uh, I I don't know that I'm sold on him being a Cy Young contender year in and year out. And I don't know that uh, I would necessarily want to pay him the big bucks, even if the A's had him. So uh, them being the big bucks. (laughs) Um, And so for me personally, though, um, it feels like his persona is a lot of look at me in trying to maximize his own brand and free agency dollars. And, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I love bat flips. I love swinging 3-0 and, you know, having a good time and all that stuff. But with Bauer, it kind of feels more self-serving to me. Um, I may be wrong in this one. Maybe that's not his intention or anything, but that's how it comes off to me personally. Maybe I'm old. I don't know. Uh, please don't at me and tell me that I'm old. That would break me. Um, it just doesn't feel like it would mesh well with the Ace Clubhouse is really my, my larger point with that one. Um, I, I think that they're a lot of like team oriented guys, and he's more of a look at me, I'm doing great. And they might bring the ace some acclaim and, you know, more cameras and eyeballs and stuff like that, but. I just don't know that the A's necessarily want or need that kind of attention. They're good on their own accord. They just need to win more games and, you know, win in the playoffs to get all of that stuff. Um, But back to the actual question that was asked, uh, I think there are a few pitchers that could be available that would fit the A's quote-unquote reclamation project profile that they usually go for with, you know, the Rich Hill, Scott uh, Casimir, those type of guys. Uh, Mike Fires to a degree, although he was already kind of, he, he didn't get better. He just kind of pitched like he was. Um, The first option that I think the A's could consider potentially, would be Chris Archer. He is owed an $11 million team option for next year, and I'm really doubting that he uh, that the the Pirates opt in on that one. So I think that he's going to be a free agent come, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks probably. And uh, he's lost a lot of the shine that followed him around in the Tampa days, but the A's have made a habit of fixing guys like this in recent years. And I feel like that would be something that would be intriguing to Chris Archer, let alone, you know, A's fans and the A's. Uh, if they could, you know... Tinker with him a little bit and make him uh, a more viable free agent. In you know 2021 or 2022 or something like that, then all of a sudden he he could make a little bit more money and maximize what he's been doing, and uh, I think that that could be something that could be intriguing and mutually beneficial. Also, the A's uh, are perennial kind of contenders, so that could up his profile a little bit too. So I think that there are reasons for both teams to be inter- or both sides to be interested in each other. So if he's looking for like a one year show me deal, uh where they sign him for one year and like eight million dollars or something like that, or one year and ten million dollars. Well, whatever that it's not going to be a ton of money then in that case i think that the a's would be a pretty decent option for him because they, they can they can fix him maybe when you get some glue and duct tape and whatnot um or if he's looking for more of a long-term deal and maximizing his free agent dollars right now on this weird pandemic offseason uh, the angels will probably throw money at anybody who has working arms and as of the offseason, he might have working arms. So he also didn't pitch this year because he had surgery. But, uh, you know, that's a question that could drive down his price. And I don't know. Maybe it, there, there are factors here that make it seem like the A's could be very interested in him. Uh he, he isn't necessarily my first choice to go after. But if the A's see something in him and they're making a push for him, then I am inclined to believe them and uh whatever they see on, you know, on Chris Archer based on their track record. they uh, They have a habit of doing this. So if the A's sign him, I'm expecting big things. Not big things. I'm expecting a bounce back. Maybe not big things. Maybe not like a sub three ERA, but like a three five. I'm like, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna have a good year. So uh, if the A's sign Chris Archer, add him to your vintage teams. And then there's one other pitcher that I think that would kind of fit into this realm for uh, for the A's in reference to this question that was asked, and uh, that would be James Paxton, who outside of this season in 2020, with the shortened season. Uh, he, he's had a sub four ERA every year. I know that's not necessarily ace material, but you know, Hey, that's Mike Fires material. Uh, He'd be better than Mike Fires. I think, uh, he has a career ERA of three fifty eight, So that's pretty solid. I would take that from any buddy that they signed, honestly. And his, uh, K per nine rate has remained in double digits, which is something that I think the A's need. They need more strikeout guys because those guys tend to do better in all ballparks as opposed to the A's guys who, rely on contact and, you know, their defense and the dimensions of the Coliseum. So if you can get some more strikeout, guys, I think that that's something to keep an eye out for uh, this winter specifically. Also, getting James Paxton out of Yankee Stadium, I think that that would definitely help his home run rate because uh, they got short porches everywhere over there. Um, The the main question with offering James Paxton a contract is, uh, one, how long does he want it to be? And two, health. He usually misses a few starts a season. And, uh, you know, the A's can do that. That's fine. It's not ideal, but, you know, they can make that manage. And, uh, you know, I think that he could potentially be in their price range if he's going for like a three-year 36. That would be fine. I don't know that he's going to get a huge contract. He's had a good career and everything, but I think that just pitching in Yankee Stadium and for the Yankees in that media market has taken some of the shine off of him, too, because just the media is crazy over there and they're like oh he didn't throw a complete game shutout he's terrible and uh, you know James Paxton's been fine but uh, I think that that narrative may help other teams in their in their free agent quest to sign him so uh, he potentially could be a guy that they go after he may be too expensive for them but maybe not I don't know uh, James Paxton could be that ace type guy though put him in the Coliseum I'm I'm they're all there for it he also has a little bit of postseason experience. He's made two starts. He has a the ERA, and he struck out 12 over 13 innings. So it, it's not much, but it's something, and he's done a fairly decent job. So uh, James Paxton, that's a, that's a nice name. Uh, and I'll definitely be going into more depth on starting pitching targets and uh, bullpen targets and all that stuff uh, as the— offseason progresses but i want to wait for the world series to be over and uh you know then i'll start getting into all of these hey what about this guy uh podcasts so keep an eye out for those subscribe to the podcast you'll hear them in your feed uh final question of the day though it comes from mark and mark asks which minor leaguers could make an impact on the major league club next year well, with the A's likely losing Robbie Grossman to free agency and potentially losing uh, using Biscotti as a trade chip, as I mentioned earlier this week, uh, check out, I think it was the middle, uh, the Wednesday podcast, the non-tender candidates podcast. So listen to that one for my uh, my Stephen Biscotti hot takes. Um, but I do think that with, you know, the, the outfield kind of in fluxy but you kind of know who you're getting, uh, but they will definitely be down an outfielder, I, I would imagine. Coming into 2021, um, I think that we're. I'm just going to focus on outfielders here because we're probably going to see some minor league outfielders, I would imagine. Uh, we've seen Dustin Fowler and Sky Bolt a little bit, so I'm not going to focus on them too much. But I think that Luis Barrera is a guy that could make an impact at some point. Uh, he is the A's number eight prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. And he, he has more of a hit tool than a power tool, which I think is kind of how I want to start constructing the lineup if I'm the A's personally. Uh, he earned a 65 run grade on the 20 to 80 scale as well, so he's got some speed, which I really enjoy. It just seems like he has a few different dimensions than the typical A's player these days. Uh, he hit 321 in 54 AA games in 2019 and is a lefty bet. A's always need more lefties. I'm not sure what the reports are or were on him in the uh, in the secondary location during the season down in San Jose. But if he had some good reports there and then he puts up a nice spring, maybe he makes the uh, the opening day roster as like a fourth or fifth outfielder. I could see that happening potentially because uh, he's 24 right now. Give, give him a shot. Give, let him go play. I think that that'd be fun. Um, of course, this is all speculation. Um, I don't know how close he is or if they want to put them into regular minor league games after a year off. I'm not sure what the A's plans are at this point, but uh, I think that the the year off for minor league baseball is going to put a lot of things in flux for a lot of teams. And I think that with the A's window of contention kind of being right now, they're going to push a little bit harder than usual is my guess. Also, everybody got a year older too. So uh, you know you got to maximize their the, the youth when you can. So I think that either they're going to be pushing Luis Barrera a little bit in the spring and seeing what they have with him, uh, see if he's major league viable and give him a push or they're going to use him as a trade chip for some other piece uh, at some point during the winter. I think that those are his two two options this offseason, because uh, he's a valuable piece. You can either use him, or you, they're going to use him in one way or the other, uh, either for them or for them in a different way. So uh, keep an eye out for his name in all of the transactions that uh, happen for the A's. It's going to be a busy winter, you guys. Um, I, another outfielder that I'm going to be on the lookout for, uh, I think the A's will keep this one, is Buddy Reed. He uh, He's in like, the top 20 prospects for the A's. I think he might be like number 18 uh, on Pipeline again. And uh, before the season started, I was saying he intrigued me because of his speed and defense. I think that those are fun things for the A's. He hasn't shown much of a hit tool, but uh, when I had Aram Layton on from uh, the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast, he was saying that he's somewhere in between Byron Buxton and Manny Margot. He's somewhere in the middle there with his bat. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I would take that because Manny Margot, he's crushing dingers, and they're both fast, and they both play great defense. So that's uh, something that he has just gotten in reserve right now, and I'd like to see him play. Um, also, he intrigued me so much during spring training because I, wa- I watched him play in one of the couple of televised games that they had before the season shut down, and he was just electric out there. Uh, also, he... Uh, He had 14 at-bats in 11 games, so he wasn't getting regular playing time at all. And he walked three times, and he scored six runs. And, uh, you know, sure, that's a stat line, I guess. Uh, What I'm interested in, though, is those six runs and 14 at-bats. Because he also did not record a hit. So he would just get on base, and then he had three steals. He would just steal and use his speed, and he'd he'd score runs. And uh, I like that, because he had six runs, with a 173 on-base percentage. Sure, he got one from uh, being a pinch runner or something like that. But, you know, he still scores runs. And I think that that's a, a, a tool that the A's could use, honestly, in their roster. Uh, give the, the opposition just a different look. And uh, so I think that that's, he's a guy that I want to keep an eye on as a as a tool for later on in the season. But moving on, because I'm running late, uh, we got one last name that, it, that people are very excited about, and that is Nick Allen, who by all reports is a gold glove caliber defender, but he just hasn't played above high A ball. I don't think he's going to be getting an opening day look. He's not going to be the shortstop uh, in 2021. He may be a September call up just to see what they have, depending on how the his minor league season goes and if they're really pushing him, because if they have him starting double A, then maybe he goes double A, triple A, uh, split between the two halves. And uh, then they give, give him a look in the majors in September, but I don't know that they're going to do it like that. Usually the A's do the, the prove it to me uh, advancement system. So if he's proven it to him, they will keep advancing him. But they're not just going to do it just because he got, you know, 100 at bats or something like that. So Luis Pereira and Buddy Reed are the two guys that I'm keeping an eye out for uh, come spring training if they're still with the A's team. Uh, I think that they'd both be interesting facets to the A's offense. They both bring something a little bit different to the A's offense and give them a little bit of a different look. I don't know how much playing time they'd get, but I would hope that they would get an opportunity. Also, I know that I didn't mention any pitchers on this whole list, but my instinct is saying that they're going to rebuild the bullpen via free agency and trades rather than relying on unproven uh, arms down on the farm. Um, I think that this team's window is still now, and they're going to have to rely on more veteran guys as opposed to their young guys. That's just usually how they build their roster. Um, obviously, I think that they'll be going after slightly different types of pitchers, but uh, you know, I'll get into that as the offseason progresses, probably in a couple of weeks once the World Series is over. But as for the rotation, you may have noticed that I left Shamanaya out of my little group of starters there a little bit earlier, but uh, I talked about why that is on Wednesday's pod and uh, why it could happen. Um, Am I hoping that Shamanaya is no longer with the team? Not at all. But I think that he could be potentially a non-tender candidate. Uh, You can listen to Wednesday's pod if you want to hear a little bit more on that and feel sad like me. Um, I think that they're going to add one more veteran arm, though, in the starting rotation. And uh, if that... If they do non-tender Shamanaya, then they have, you know, four guys in the rotation, and then they'll rely on somebody else, like somebody that got a spot start earlier this year. So basically, uh, Caprillion or Jeffries, I think that's the way that they would go. Uh, And then they'd have their other young guys as as backup plans. But I do feel like the A's are going to be going after more veteran pitchers and then relying on uh, younger position players that they already have on the farm Uh, is my idea, but... Could be wrong. We'll see. This is going to be a very turbulent offseason, A's fans. But I will be here with you guys every step of the way. So subscribe to the podcast. I'll be here talking all your A's news with you guys. But this is going to be it for me this week. So stay indoors and celebrate good times, Oakland. Keep wearing those masks. And I will talk to you guys on Monday.